Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. It's not just playoff football. It's time to make the money. It is Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. And on the ESPN app, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. It is every Friday. It is 11 a.m. It is the man who is going to help us cash in. It is ESPN betting analyst and ESPN Radio's Joe Fortenbaugh joining us right now. Joe, what is up? Chris, Courtney, it's always a pleasure. Championship weekend, only three to go. So I got a feeling we might talk about a few prop bets today to make sure that people have plenty of action this weekend. Well, we'll get to that in just a minute. But let's talk about, first of all, the AFC championship game. Chiefs are laying a touchdown. Uh, Number is 54 and a half on the over under. What have you got here in this game? Starting to tick up. We had look-ahead lines last week after Cincinnati beat Tennessee in the divisional round. And what we saw was that if Kansas City was going to beat the Bills and host Cincinnati, the line would be somewhere around minus six, minus six and a half. So the Chiefs go out. They beat the Bills in a very close game. Not a total shocker, right? They were a small favorite there. And then they come back out as a seven-point favorite, and it's now moving to seven and a half. So we're going through that key number of seven, which is important to note because you want to look at how the differential of games ends. Seven's very important because games end 35-28, 28-21, 24-17. You see where I'm going with this. So you want to make sure you're on the right side. So if you like Kansas City, you had to get it at seven or less. If you like Cincinnati, you want to play the seven and a half or higher. I find myself leaning to Cincinnati here. It's not a strong play, but it's something I'd get involved with come this weekend. Kansas City's defense Average at best. Started the season, they were horrible. They had a great run in the middle of the year, but it was against lousy competition. Over their last six, they're giving up about 26 points per game. Three of those six games came against Denver, and two of those were against Pittsburgh. All right, so those aren't very good offenses, and it's still a relatively high number. I think Cincinnati, the talk is going to be about how they gave up nine sacks last week. Yeah, that's a problem. But at the same time, it's a problem they're well aware of. So I'd expect them to spend the week trying to dissect identify that problem and improve upon it with a lot of checkdowns. Get the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands in this game. So at seven and a half, I think the back door's wide open. I'd play the Bengals. I'd look to the over here. There's no way I'm playing an under in a Kansas City home playoff game. Since Mahomes took over at Arrowhead in the playoffs, the over is six and two. We saw it again last week. I'm not saying betting the under is a fool's errand, but my God, do you want to spend four hours of your life rooting against scoring in this game? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It doesn't feel like betters have any faith in Jimmy Garoppolo this weekend. I think that that's pretty obvious from some of the lines that we've seen so far. But is there any, as I try to handicap the NFC Championship game, um, this is the third meet time these two teams have met. And there's the old adage, well, you can't beat a team three times this season. Like from this, from this perspective, how do you view Jimmy Garoppolo in this matchup? And is there any value in actually going against what, you know, the, the group think is right now on the San Francisco quarterback? So the idea of playing three times in the same season, I think people are mixed on this. You can find evidence that points in both directions. One thing I think about is 1999. I know we're going way back here, but Tennessee and Jacksonville. Jacksonville was awesome that season. <laughs> Shocking to hear. It had to obviously have been in a different millennium. But they went 14-2 and two during the regular season and won the number one seed. The two losses, both of them came against Tennessee. 
And then they met Tennessee. They hosted Tennessee in the AFC Championship game, and they got rolled by the Titans again. Sometimes certain teams are just an awful matchup for other teams, and I think that's what we have here. All right, Shanahan has beaten Sean McVay six times in a row, and it's not like he's had the better team and been a massive favorite. Five of those six games, they were an underdog and won the game outright. So here we go this weekend with the Niners catching three and a half. They have an extra day to get ready for this game. They played on Saturday. The Rams played on Sunday. Yes, they have to travel, but it's about what? An hour an hour of a flight south to LA. And that stadium is going to be dripping red and gold, dripping red and gold. It is not going to be a home game for the Rams. So I think there's a bit of an edge there for the Niners. And, and I think, Courtney, you make a great point about Jimmy Garoppolo. He hasn't been good at all in either of these playoff games. Yet they've won. They went to Dallas and won. They went to Green Bay and won. I ask this, what happens if Garoppolo actually plays a good football game? That's what I'd be looking to wager on because if this guy finally steps up and makes a few plays, how are you going to beat the Niners? Because they're beating everybody without Garoppolo playing well. So I'd be looking at San Francisco plus three and a half. Money's been coming in on the under. The total's gone from about 47 down to 46. I've got no play there. Although the Niners are very good at running the ball, controlling the clock, grinding the tempo down. This could be an under game. And to your point about it being a home game, this from Nick Wagoner, who, of course, covers the 49ers for ESPN NFL Nation. Vivid Seats uses an algorithm called Fan Forecast that projects the crowd for big events. That model projected a 65-35 split in favor of the Niners fans over the Rams this Sunday. They had projected 60-40 for the Niners in Week 18. That is absolutely crazy. All right. Let's get to the props, Joe. ESPN's Joe Fortenbaugh joining us. Give me the prop bets. I've got one that I absolutely believe has got to be a lock, and that's Jamar Chase over in receiving yards. All right, Jamar Chase over in receiving yards. Yeah, garbage time numbers are going to be big here if Cincinnati's trailing late. The projection is that the Bengals should be throwing the ball quite a bit. In the AFC Championship game, I've got three for you. Two of them are about running back Joe Mixon of the Bengals. Over three and a half receptions and over 27 and a half receiving yards. If Burrow's going to be under duress, like I mentioned earlier, check the ball down. Get it out of your hands fast. And that would mean running back Joe Mixon should see plenty of action. When these two got together earlier in the season, Mixon was targeted eight times, caught seven passes for 40 yards. He's had at least four receptions in four straight games. He's had at least 28 receiving yards in four straight games. He has become a bigger portion of the offense later in the season. I like him to go over three and a half receptions and over 27 and a half receiving yards in the AFC Championship. I'd also play Bengals wide receiver Tyler Boyd over 39 and a half receiving yards. I think this is a cheap price because he hasn't hit this mark in any of his last three games. But prior to that, he hit this mark in five of six. So it's not as if it's outside the realm of possibility to get back there. They're seven and a half point dogs. The projection, like I mentioned, is that Cincinnati could be trailing, should be trailing, will be throwing, high scoring game, lots of opportunity and garbage time. Tyler Boyd over 39 and a half receiving yards. In the NFC Championship game, I've got two for you. I would play Cam Akers, Rams running back under 63 and a half rushing yards. I'm going against the move. Because this opened at 60 and it's now up to 63 and a half. But look at Akers in his two games since he came back from the Achilles injury. He hasn't topped 55 yards in either game. And it would be easy to sit there and say, well, he's probably not getting the ball all that much. He's back from an injury. Hogwash. He's getting the ball 20 times a game. They're feeding him the rock, but he's averaging less than three yards per carry. And he's going to run up against the Niners defense that ranks sixth in opponent yards per carry this year. They're very good against the run. So I don't see Cam Akers having a huge game here. And with the fumble issues from last week, if that rears its ugly head in this game, 
I wouldn't be surprised if they turned the, the, the bulk of the workload over to another running back. In addition, I am going to bet that Matthew Stafford throws at least one interception. It's minus 110 as a price, which means you have to risk $110 to win 100 All right, I like this because this price was a lot higher. It was much more expensive the last two playoff games because Stafford was on a crazy interception run. But because he hasn't thrown a pick in either of the last two games, we're getting a discounted price. This is where we zig when everybody else is zagging and we bet he'll throw a pick here. All right, he was shaky down the stretch and in each game against San Francisco this year, he threw at least two interceptions. The Niners are going to bring pressure. Stafford's going to be under duress. I'm going to bet that he throws at least one pick. So your props for the NFC Championship game, Cam Akers under 63 and a half rushing yards. Yes, on Matthew Stafford to throw at least one interception. Am I wrong if I want to buy Kansas City right now? If I'm looking at these final four teams of of Super Bowl favorites, should I wait? Or do you think that it would be a smart play to buy them where they're at right now? Just coming off of that AFC divisional playoff game, and we know what that offense isn't capable of in seeing Patrick Mahomes in this form. No, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because the projection is that they're going to win this weekend, right? I mean, if they were to... There's nothing they can do this... I mean, you'd end up losing the bet, obviously, if they lose to the Bengals. But based on the pricing of this game, the expectation is that they will be in the Super Bowl. So if they go out and handle their business, how dramatic is our view of them going to be shifted from where it is now to where it is then? That's when we're thinking about making futures bets in advance of a game like this. That's what we got to ask ourselves. What are we going to be talking about next week? And if Kansas City wins, I don't think we're going to say, wow, they got really lucky against the Bengals. The only thing that would affect our viewpoint is possible injuries. And then in the other game, I mean, either team could win. We're not going to be surprised if San Francisco wins because they've owned the Rams. But we're also not going to be surprised if the Rams get by the Niners because they, A, are a favorite, and B, have been playing very good football. So unless the Rams would come out and annihilate the Niners, or the Niners would come out and Garoppolo would play huge and they would annihilate the Rams, getting involved with the Chiefs right now, I don't see anything wrong with that. They have been very strong down the stretch. Patrick Mahomes isn't even coming close to turning the ball over like he was earlier in the season. This team's been a freight train. ESPN betting analyst Joe Fortenbaugh. Joe, appreciate it. Get that paper. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Have a great show and best of luck to everybody out there. Appreciate it. Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Up next, an unexpected name has popped up in the coaching search for the Las Vegas Raiders. And no, it is not Jim Harbaugh. You're going to be surprised. Next, it's Chris and Courtney for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stats types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to prizepicks.com slash greenberg and use code greenberg for a first deposit match up to 100 that's prizepicks.com slash greenberg code greenberg for a first deposit match up to 100 prize picks pick more pick less it's that easy 
Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the raiders have fired their general manager mike mayock after three seasons and i think it's a mistake because i think mike mayock has done an outstanding job now at this time rich bisaccia the interim head coach remains with the team he took that team over in the midst of a storm he deserves an opportunity doesn't feel like rich bisaccia is going to get that opportunity to say the least it's chris carlin courtney cronin in for greeny on espn radio And on your smart speaker, by saying play ESPN Radio, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. And the newest name to come up in the Raiders head coaching search, Josh McDaniels. Courtney, I have to tell you, as much as we have heard over the years that Bill Belichick was going to open up his world to Josh McDaniels and start to show him everything that's involved with being the head coach, and being Bill Belichick, for that matter, really, in essence, trying to set him up to be the guy to succeed him. If I'm Josh McDaniels, how long am I going to wait here for that to be the case? I I don't think I'm waiting much longer. And if a good opportunity presents itself, and the Raiders are a good opportunity, I'd have to think long and hard about getting out of Dodge and taking my shot against, especially since it's already the second time around for him. Yeah, and I mean, he remember a few years ago with the Indianapolis thing, and then he goes back to New England. Like, he can't, he has to be sure this time around, which I think is the reason that you heard, okay, maybe it's going to be Houston, the Nick Casario connection. And obviously, that's not the right place to go. But in terms of the timing, in terms of when do I want to take over? When do I want to get out from under? Do I want to take over a Patriots team that's kind of, you know, at, at, at ground zero potentially after Belichick leaves? I don't know if that's the right fit. The Raiders make a ton of sense for him to entertain this opportunity. He's a quarterback guy, right? Derek Carr is still there under contract, but he might not have to be if you don't want him there. They can move on from him. There will be a market guaranteed for someone like Derek Carr. You're probably not going to have to worry about Marcus Mariota being there unless you really want to keep him. I feel like it's the right time. And it was a humongous eye opener when you saw this happen yesterday, because you know, this is not somebody who just throws his name in any sort of head coaching search. The reason that his name is out for there for the Las Vegas opening, it's because he's legitimately serious about wanting that job. But this is not somebody he was with Denver. He's been with the Patriots. He could have gone to Indy and then, you know, backed out on that. This is not somebody who just like enters the cycle every single time it comes around and takes a couple interviews here or there. Like this one to me feels very, very realistic. The Giants, we have discussed uh, throughout the course of the week whether or not it would be Brian Dable, Brian Flores, or Leslie Frazier. I am very much of the feeling that going with a rookie general manager and a rookie head coach, that's an awful lot of learning on the job in year one. 
I don't think the Giants are going to be very good next year anyway, given their salary cap situation. But they have a lot to figure out, whether Daniel Jones is their guy long term, all of those kinds of things. I don't want to go down the road of Flores because of what we've discussed, the idea that when you're a coach that gets a job uh, immediately after getting fired, it doesn't give you a chance to really evaluate the things that you did wrong in getting fired because it's never one-sided completely Leslie Frazier is a guy for the Giants. If you have the right offensive coordinator with Jones, I think absolutely would be a great fit for them. Yeah, I mean, he's a defensive-minded coach, and I know that there will be people who say, oh, well, there's certain – I think we sometimes are prisoners of uh, – of the moment where we look at like the AFC divisional playoffs and you know, what happened with the bills defense. And I mean, you have to consider the source, like look who they were playing. Patrick Mahomes is, is a monster that shouldn't affect where Leslie, Leslie Frazier's chances are as far as being a head coach next year, but he's a veteran. He's a veteran coach. He did not, I mean, he was an interim coach in Minnesota, and I don't think he really got a fair shake here the way that things ended for him after the 2013 season. He's He's been interviewed a lot for these jobs. I mean, Chicago was one of them in the most recent weeks. That was last week, and now today is his interview with the Giants. He knows Joe Shane. Like, I just think for someone like Joe Shane, like – the first time you meet these people shouldn't necessarily be in these interviews. Like, go with who you're comfortable with and go with somebody who has the institutional knowledge of how to do this. I mean, Leslie Frazier is, a, first off, a terrific human being. On top of that, you know, you're walking into a building that needs a massive culture change that apparently the GM's been given carte blanche to change things systems processes the way that they do things and he should be allowed to pick his head coach now pairing him with someone like Leslie Frazier gives him the experience of somebody who's done this before and I think it's probably just like honestly it's a safer play and it's a better play and then there's the Broncos hiring Nathaniel Hackett and as I've thought about it more over the last 24 hours boy this is an awfully big risk on their part and we have heard Aaron Rodgers speak his admiration for the job that Hackett has done with him over the last three years, but he has not been calling the plays. If you look at his history, Blake Bortles was his guy in Jacksonville. How did that work out? I know how close they got to the Super Bowl. That had a lot more to do with a great defense and a top-notch run game. How did it work with E.J. Manuel in Buffalo? Nathaniel Hackett very much has that feeling to me, and maybe it's unfair But it feels like if you don't get Aaron Rodgers, you have Adam Gase on your hands. You have a guy that has a great quarterback who absolutely loved him and worked with him, but it's not necessarily going to translate because the resume is not there. And if you're fair about Adam Gase, the resume was never there. He had Peyton Manning in his corner, and that was enough twice. That's That's what this feels like. With Aaron Rodgers, and the Broncos have a number one, two number twos, and two number threes. They better get Aaron Rodgers to Denver, or that could be an absolute disaster, because then they've hired Aaron Ga- Adam I Gaze. I don't feel like you make this hire if you're not confident that you can make that happen. Now, like, do I think that Aaron Rodgers is a lock to Denver? No, but Neither I think that I. George Payton tried to do this during the draft. Like, they tried before, so they're going to try again. And it kind of makes me wonder, like, with Dan Quinn factoring into the mix here, like, he was the favorite 
for a couple weeks to get the Denver job. And then yesterday morning, you see the Nathaniel Hackett news, and then you find out that Dan Quinn eventually pulled his name out of consideration for all head coaching opportunities. You know, that to me signifies, okay, maybe they are indeed that confident or that Nathaniel Hackett told him, hey, hire me, he's coming meaning Aaron Rodgers, that that's the route that they ended up going, thus why Dan Quinn all of a sudden, you know, was, you know, vanishing into thin air as a head coaching candidate. I feel like there's a lot of dots that we have to connect there that make a ton of sense as to why the dominoes are starting to fall the way that they are. It's Greeny coming to you live from the Seaport District of Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Up next, Jerry Jones is speaking. Oh, boy. And he's talking about his head coaching situation Double oh boy. You're going to want to hear this. Greeny, the podcast. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. Nickelback? What are we doing? Is it, Just I, rocking out some Nickelback. What? Bubba, this has not been your finest hour. Let's just say that. Let's just... Okay. Oh, this is a classic Nickelback song. <laughs> there are a lot of things wrong with that sentence. It's Chris Carlin. It's Courtney Cronin in Fort Greeny today on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. There is an a lot of outward vitriol toward Nickelback. There's no question. There always has been. I think a lot of it's deserved. That's just me. I don't know. And I've got nothing against Canada. But at the same time, for whatever reason, Nickelback and uh, they, uh, uh, listen, uh, you, had a, you had an almost visceral reaction, Courtney, when you heard the first the bars of that. I don't know. Because like I, and, and maybe I'm wrong on this. I p- group them in the creed category. Oh, you're not wrong. Yeah. In the category of stuff from like my middle school years, maybe that just kind of made me cringe. Like, man, we used to really listen to this. I mean, I'm this with you guys overall. I, I'm just, I'll just stand by that song specifically. I separate that song. I think that song is the rest of Nickelback. I think is ridiculous. Uh, although I just, that that once that song when it came, I think that's a good song. The rest of it a bit much. You know, look at this photograph. I'll, I'll pass on that. Yeah, Creed, absurd. I'm never. I was never into Creed at all. But I think How You Remind Me is a good song. I stand by that. Yeah, you know. We're all allowed bad takes. It's okay. Yeah, we are allowed bad takes. Even even Bubba at this point. Weekly Rewind, brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. And we could rewind all week to the, all the Cowboys talk that has been going on. But there's more of it today, and it is coming from the owner, Jerry Jones, who in the last little while spoke on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. And apparently, 
It was not a requested interview. It was not his weekly scheduled interview. It was Jerry Jones calling the radio station to say, I have things to say about the head coaching situation, about Dan Quinn. So let's take a listen to a few of the sound bites from Jerry Jones. First of all, why he has been quiet about Mike McCarthy's status as head coach. Mike was very involved in this process and very involved in trying to give uh, us every chance to keep Dan Quinn. And uh, there's no question it was a competitive situation, and I couldn't really get out and speak to it publicly because I didn't want to push teams toward him. And I wanted to uh, keep him for ourselves and Dan, and that's what ended up happening. And, And to follow that up, Jerry was actually asked, did Quinn turn down a head coaching job somewhere? And this was the question and response. Are you saying that Dan Quinn was offered a head coaching job somewhere else and you talked him into being staying and being a coordinator? I believe that very much. I believe that very much. I'm, I know this. He is staying and being our coordinator for years to come. And so uh, I know that... Uh, he was the most, he was the busiest coordinator out here uh, being interviewed for jobs. And yes, I uh, would say that specifically. For years to come, Courtney. Really? For years to come. Not just this year. All right, one last one before we react here. Will Quinn, with Quinn back, does that put more pressure on McCarthy. I don't look at it the opposite way. And let me assure you, Mike looks at it differently. Mike did everything that he could do uh, to help us uh, uh, get and keep and extend Dan Quinn. He did everything he could do. Uh, he's he's not into worrying about that. He's the head coach. He's uh, We worked uh, in unison, worked great together. And uh, uh, we uh, basically were just doing our doing our jobs. Mike actually said correct, and it was just kind of maybe skipped over, and he basically said, uh, Jerry and I talk job status, I'm fine. He said that. What you didn't hear was an announcement wasn't necessary. Oh, boy. Look, when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry, for him to say that now, I mean, an announcement is necessary every year. (laughs) An announcement is almost necessary weekly, considering he talks to the reporters after every game virtually. First of all, Courtney, I do think it's possible that Dan Quinn was offered a head coaching job and turned it down to return to the Cowboys thinking that he was in a pretty good situation and didn't necessarily need to jump at a situation that he didn't feel was a a good fit for him. I've always felt that he was not going to just take a job this cycle because there were upwards of seven, eight, nine openings that he'd been with the Falcons before in a head coaching capacity. He went to Dallas to, you know, get a fresh start, go be a defensive coordinator, had the most dynamic defense in the league, defense that led the NFL in takeaways, the whole thing, and that he would be choosy in a good way of picking his next spot. Now, like, my brain's racking, you know, going, my wheels are spinning, like, okay, which which job was it? I think it's Chicago. And I think that you look at that, because that was one of his last interviews, and that's one of the last ones, um, you know, that, we, that we've heard about, like, this week. I don't think it was the Giants. I really don't. That kind of felt like that had, like, a little pop and then faded very quickly. The Chicago one makes sense, because Ryan Poles just got there, their new GM on Tuesday, Tuesday mm-hmm. or Wednesday, what, what, some point this week, um, and 
they're given like what the strength of that team is, and they were still like six in total defense last year, and they're going to have to part ways with several pieces in free agency because of their salary cap situation and because of like the aging veteran nature of their defense right now that they want to bring him in and help him restore that unit because the window closed. So now they've got to reopen it and figure it out. So like, I thought it was Chicago for sure. I know Jerry wouldn't specify on that, but you know, to your point, uh, you know, what we were talking about earlier, like, ah, like, what does this mean for Mike McCarthy in 2022 and beyond? What does this mean for Dan Quinn in 2022 and beyond? My brain immediately goes to, what about Sean Payton when he decides he wants to coach again? Like, I don't feel like this is a lock for Dan Quinn to stay in Dallas and become the head coach for many, many years or whatever it was that, that Jerry Jones had said, that he would automatically, if things don't go great this year, that Mike McCarthy would be fired and Dan Quinn would take over the head coaching position. I think Jerry would be hard-pressed to say no to Sean Payton in that moment. We had Diana Rossini here yesterday who's locked in on the Saints and, and what's been going on with Sean Payton there. And she was saying he absolutely wants to be eventually with uh, – an owner who is loud and involved and wants to, she was basically saying he wants to be in Dallas. And I think that's the place that makes the most sense. The one thing I would ask though, is this, if you're hiring Sean Payton, you're handing him the keys. I have always felt that Jerry Jones likes having the head coach who is not necessarily the guy that's going to stand up to him and give him a hard time for being the general manager of the team. I, he proved that with Jason Garrett. When you look at the head coaches that he has had ever since Jimmy Johnson, there has never been one that outside of Bill Parcells that really stood up and said, I'm not going to take this. I'm going to, or I'm going to really stand up to you and, and challenge you on everything. Parcells is the only one that would ever do that. And you knew that his shelf life was going to be limited anyway, just given what his history was. I think he likes to having a guy like Mike McCarthy because he knows he's not going to have a hard time doing the things that he wants to do. And if you're Sean Payton, do you want that? I mean, I don't see Jerry handing over the keys even to Sean Payton next year and saying, the whole show is yours to run. Maybe. I mean, Sean Payton, though, I feel like that's kind of one of those, if he's ready, you listen. Yeah, and, and Sean Payton was in had he had a Super Bowl team in New Orleans. He was there for 16 years. He was the model of stability down there, and they were really, really competitive. And they had a very, very good Hall of Fame quarterback. Like, I just feel like in terms of turning the keys over, of giving him that sort of control. I mean, that's always going to be Jerry's call at the end of the day, and he's always going to be the commander in chief of that entire franchise. But if there's anybody who can kind of like wiggle a little of that control away from Jerry, I think it's Sean Payton. I mean, remember, he coached there for a long time when Bill Parcells was there. I think it's fun to, uh, you know, project this thing out to 2023 because Dan Quinn going back to Dallas this year to remain their defensive coordinator probably means that Mike Zimmer is going to be out of coaching in 2022 because the 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 hot idea was that okay Dan Quinn goes and takes a job Mike Zimmer's fired in Minnesota and then he goes back to where it all began becomes a defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys and you know gets to get right back in the game I would love to project out till next year next offseason see Sean Payton and Mike Zimmer reuniting the Bill Parcells circle 
closing with both of them in Dallas. All right. With all of that in mind, it's Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin on Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Let us uh, bring in from the hashtag crew our resident Cowboys shill. That would be Bubba. Uh, Bubba, your reaction to the Jerry Jones sound bites that we just heard? I mean, I wouldn't worry about it. We got Dan Quinn back, all right? All that matters is we're just waiting a year, and we got Sean Payton back. So I, I don't worry about what Jerry says. It doesn't matter. Bubba he, is the classic he's just, example of the Wizard of Oz being the guy over in the corner saying, pay no attention to what's behind the curtain. Right. Don't worry <laughs> about what he said. We're just we're going to get through this year. Hopefully we get a little further in the playoffs, but we're going to get through this year, and then next year we got Sean Payton coming. So don't worry about what he said and all the different things. It doesn't matter. We got Sean Payton coming. Don't worry about anything. See you in 2023. So you have already punted on 2022. That's well, what you're no, saying. I mean, I want to have a successful year, and I'm, I'm in super excited that Dan Quinn's coming back. And if we have Kellen Moore coming back, how often that, do you have a, a playoff team and not lose any coordinators? I mean, oftentimes you're going to lose people. So the fact we're going to have the everyone come back is a great start, and hopefully we can build on that and get a little further. I'd like to advance past the wild card round. It would be great, um, and hopefully we can do that. But I assume McCarthy's not going to be back after that. So give me Sean Payton and let's go. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the other piece of news here, Bubba, where uh, from the Jerry Jones call into the radio station a few minutes ago that he expects Kellen Moore is going to return as the offensive coordinator, which is so rare after a team with that much talent that made the playoffs. That there's no movement whatsoever on the coaching staff. Wild. The one last thing there, too, though, and I kind of talked about it at the beginning Years going to be our defensive coordinator for years to come? Is that a safe assumption? First of all, if you're bringing in Peyton, I don't think, as you have just detailed, that that is a likelihood. And secondly, is he not going to get another opportunity? Because for Dan Quinn, how much of a risk is this when you're turning down a job? If it was Chicago, you have a franchise quarterback. But say it was Denver, where he was thought to be the leading candidate right out of the gate, right? And have a terrific defense there. If you don't have a good year defensively, and it's entirely possible that you could take a step back next year, are you then not going to be guaranteed a spot on that carousel next year? Hmm. Well, I mean, I I would say, you know, people have always said, you know, being a defensive coordinator for the Cowboys is basically better than being a head coach. So I would expect that Dan Quinn's going to be there for years because it's essentially bigger than being a head coach. So I I expect him to be there. All right, let's close the loop here and welcome in uh, from the hashtag crew, Nuno. Just answer this question quite simply. Is Bubba delusional in this situation? Is he not a Cowboy fan? Yes, he is. So there's your answer. Let's get. Let's have some fun. Let's, let's have uh, some fun. Let's do Let, this. Let's get to some who you got, who we deprived you of last week, and it was... Thanks, Giants. Yeah, it was the New York Giants' fault for hiring Joe Shane. But now, America, you get satisfied with more Bubba. Who wouldn't be? Let's get to it. Life is a series of choices. Who you got? Make a decision. Say it! Say it! All right, I'll say it. Who you got? How about it? All right. Let's get some of the games this weekend. We got two big ones, I guess I'm told. I stopped watching the playoffs a long time ago. (laughs) But we got 49ers, Rams, and this Los Angeles minus three and a half. Who you got in this one? Courtney, I'm on the Rams here. I think Matthew Stafford is going to get it done. 
Uh, talking to some people out there, I really get a feeling that the Rams are in a very good place here. And I'm very curious about Trent Williams. You know, last week Tristan Wirfs was out for the Bucks, and I don't think it was a coincidence that Von Miller looked like the Von Miller of a couple of years ago. If Trent yeah. Williams is not 100% with a bad ankle, let you and he has not, mind you, and he has not practiced this week, that could be a major problem. And you were talking about the pass rush earlier of the Rams last week. Give me the Rams. I think I want to pick the Rams, too, and I know that kind of goes against what I was boasting about on Twitter last week with you where I had picked the 49ers, but I only said that they could be the team to go into Lambeau and upset the Green Bay Packers. I never said that they could get to a Super Bowl, so give me the Rams. I think that the pass rush has been the more underrated element. I know we're talking about Matthew Stafford and all the great things that he's done, and Cooper Cup is amazing, and et cetera, et cetera, but I think that that pass rush is going to eat Jimmy Garoppolo alive. Bengals at Chiefs, Kansas City minus seven. Who you got? Cincy. Mm. I think that they have an unbelievable crop of weapons around Joe Burrow. We know what happened the last time that these two teams faced off. And, and, And realistically, outside of the Pittsburgh game, Kansas City's defense has not been very good at uh, limiting the ball through the air the last four games uh, that they've played. So give me Joe Burrow, give me Jamar Chase, give me C.J. Uzoma, give me all the receivers, give me the running back, give me everything. Bengals, Burrow, bowl bound. That's it. Bengals are going to win this game in Kansas City. I, I am locked in on the Cincinnati Bengals. The NBA is on ESPN Radio. Tune in tomorrow night as the Warriors host the Nets. Presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 8 p.m. on most ESPN Radio stations as Who You Got continues. All right. So I know we keep wanting to get into Wordle, but I don't think we're going to have enough time. So I think we're going to have to no. save that for next week. Because I'm not even on the show next right, week. We're gonna, whenever you come back. This Chris, is like apologies well, Chris to Matt kept Damon. Taking, Chris took way too long on the Jerry Jones stuff. As usual, it's Chris's fault. Oh, like, excuse so, me. You know, we're we're, we're going to talk Wordle. We can't just do it, in, we can't do it in 90 seconds because it needs to have its a full thing. So the question will be this for Courtney. Greeny, Carlin, or Courtney, who knows what the yak is? All, none, or some of those people? Who you got, Courtney? What do you think? Between those three people. Yards after the catch? No, no. not, not oh. yards after well, the catch. Well, then I'm out. So um, I would say that Carlin probably knows what it is. Well, I do after yesterday. But the problem is, did Greeny actually know what the yak was? Greeny knows what the yak is. I mean, because Marcus Spears, Swagoo's always talking about being on the yak. So Greeny knows what the yak is. The yak is apparently cognac. Oh, the brown. Yeah. Okay, I've heard it called that. Now that, like, I'm sorry, my big football brain just thinks yards after the catch when I hear that. Can't help it. Okay. Well, I did not But I don't know. drink cognac, so, like, I, I also, I guess I'm giving myself a pass here. I yeah, I had, I had I never heard of it before yesterday. I don't, I don't drink cognac either, but apparently I'm 91 years old. Because I didn't know the yak and greeny did. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I knew what it was, but I've never. Had, I don't think I've ever even had it, to be honest. So I don't know. Might it's to... too sweet. I don't like it. Nuno, are you a yak guy? I've partaken, and there's been many nights of not knowing what happened. Oh yeah, he loves it. <laughs> yeah, Save I, those I, stories for next time. I think it's more likely that Nuno's sitting, you know, wearing a smoking jacket, very quietly enjoying his cognac. It's greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.